Hi everyone, Brandon here with a quick word before the podcast. Glass Tire is a nonprofit publication that exists thanks to the support of readers and listeners like you. We know times are tough right now, but if you're able, we could really use your help. By visiting glasstire.com donate, you can make a one-time gift or become a monthly sustaining donor to our publication. All of the money we get goes right back into our coverage of Texas and its artists. One more time, that's glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks for listening, and here's today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Art Dirt. This is a bi-weekly podcast in which we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. I'm Brandon Zeck. I'm Christina Reese. And I'm Christopher Blay. There's three of us today because we're we're tackling a pretty big story that there's been a lot written about. Uh, we covered it at Glass Tire. Christopher, you covered it for us in our news section. Right. Um, this is the postponement of a Philip Guston retrospective that was originally stated to appear at four museums. It was going to be at the Tate Modern in London, at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, the Museum of Fine Arts Boston, and the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. So it was announced, uh, I would say, was it August or September, that this show was going to be postponed to 2024 because of the complexities of presenting these some of the works in the show by Guston to the public. That was kind of the the front facing statement. We'll get in, we'll get into that in a sec. Um, so the kind of crux of this issue, even though it wasn't, I mean, it was a little less explicitly stated in the postponement, was that 24 of the paintings in the show have imagery that evokes or that is Ku Klux Klan members because Gustin made a series that is very well known uh, that depicts the Klan. But this show, it's about 125 works. So it's not just a show of those. It's a wider show. Also, I want to get out of the way the irony of the title Philip Gustin Now <laughs> and having that be the title of a show. But one of the reasons for this postponement being that now isn't the right time to put these works into the public sphere, even though many of them have been in the public sphere or have been on view in permanent collections. With all of that out of the way, uh, let's jump in. And just to just a little bit more on that, number one, you know, one of Gustin's best known series are these paintings. It's probably what people think of when they think of Gustin, much more so than his abstract paintings. Um, these these were uh, controversial when they came out in the late 60s and early 70s. Actually, they debuted in 70. Um, but also that the museums are now talking about going ahead and and pushing it up again, it's instead of doing 2024, some of the museums are talking about maybe going ahead and having the show in 2022. There was also some gossip around that, that some of these paintings would not be in this 2022 version of the show, but uh, this is all still unfolding. So yeah, the first time I saw the group of these paintings was uh, at a Philip Guston retrospective at the Modern Art Museum in Fort Worth. Uh, Maybe I was a naive art student at the time, but there didn't seem to be any controversy about showing them. Uh, They're on view for the normal length of shows at the Modern, probably two months, three months. So yeah, they've been out here for a while. 
What, what was your? How old were you when you saw them? And what was what? What did you think of them at the time? Uh, I was in my. I think I was like thirty, thirty-one, and I was still learning a lot. You know, you guys both know that I came to the art game pretty late, but um, just sort of gobbling up everything that was happening, and it was part of. Uh, the thing that we used to do where we went to the modern um, for art lectures and but then we'd look at the shows and that show just happened to be up. I mean, I think they're ghostly. And I remember thinking to myself, man, are these KKK guys? But then I started thinking about, you know, like the uh, art crumb, uh, keep on trucking guys. They're just sort of like uh, they had a dark playfulness that alluded to something a lot deeper than what was on the surface. And, you know, as an art student, I was, I was looking at it and trying to figure that out. I think that's one of the things about these paintings is that they're, I I think one of the things that's could be hard to reconcile is that they're slightly funny, which is part of the purpose of the paintings. It's, it's poking fun at the clan, but it's, I mean, it's showing them doing normal things. Like one of these paintings is showing, a hooded person doing a painting, showing them driving in cars, almost like a clown car together. Like it's a little bit of a normalization, but it's a normalization in a way of showing that these are normal people who are a part of this, but also hold this view. Right. Right. It's very much, it very much kind of mirrors some of the conversations that happened two, three years ago around Vincent Valdez's huge KKK painting that was showed at David Shelton gallery and then ultimately bought and showed at the Blanton in Austin. Yeah, and I think it, we have a tendency to keep our darkness in the dark without any light on it and pretend that it's not there. And I think in showing these paintings, it's a, a way of saying, yeah, monsters love their children too, or monsters go out and drive around and make paintings also. So if we look at our monsters as simply one-dimensional evil beings, then it's easier to keep them in the closet and say they're not us. But when we see paintings like this, it's harder to dismiss because the discomfort comes from recognizing parts of our society in these figures. You know, and there is a, it's, it's interesting that and there is a difference between, say, and and kind of what would have been controversial about Dana Schutz doing her um, open casket painting in twenty seven, debuted in 2017 at the Whitney Biennial of Emmett Till. She's depicting black trauma. Gustin was depicting white men as racist. I mean, there's no appropriation. There's no anything. It's kind of a, I mean, there's, they're basically, he's even claimed that they were somewhat a self-portrait um so it's kind of self-accountability that he was dealing with there they are comic but they're very darkly comic and he is saying this is just out there and amongst us and and also and while the paintings weren't uh particularly about anti-semitism we have to keep in mind that he is was jewish and um Mm -hmm. That would have been kind of somewhere in his bones as he's painting these paintings, although they really were about the racism of the Klan. That was what he was protesting. But, you know, when the museums are trying to deal with what's going on right this second, the rhetoric and the protests and the the world stage of politics right now, 
you have all these museum directors and their boards and their staff who are grappling with the environment that's out there and the audiences that they've been trying to court and bring into the museums, especially over the last five or six years. And the 2,600 people who signed a petition were all kind of art world insiders. The petition that protested this postponement, of course, all these people who signed that petition already know what these paintings are mm -hmm. and already embrace what these paintings are and were influenced by these paintings and have loved these paintings and embraced these paintings throughout their careers. Um, but we, we have a tremendous number of viewers out there who the museums are desperately trying to get in their doors who do not know what these paintings are and right. have never seen them before. So what is the what's the responsibility of the museum to contextualize the work? Is this a good time? Is Philip Guston now a good show for now would it possibly be a good show in 2024 of course we have no idea what 2024 is going to look like mm -hmm. um so these are the questions that have been raised and we've got you know we've got all of our critics like Sheldahl and salts kind of coming down on one side saying maybe this wasn't the best idea we've got robert store saying you know the museums are being cowardly by not showing it is it self-censorship what is it you know, I, I very much kind of had the gut reaction when I learned that this was being canceled again because I know Gustin, I know the work, but I, I'm I'm of the same kind of list of the people who signed that letter, right? I, I think there's there, there's a lot of kind of deeper, complex arguments that I'd like to hear both of your thoughts about because one of the tape curators that spoke out said this was kind of doing a disservice to the viewing public and thinking that your audience is stupid um, and not giving them the credit that they deserve in order to come in and actually interpret and thoughtfully engage with what's on the walls. At the same time, we know that just in general, people are impulsive and people are reactive and people are very reactive right now when there's a lot of volatility in the world, coronavirus or not. You know, the other side of that is there's always been this volatility in the world and the fact that people are just now more widely starting to recognize the racism that has so readily existed for a long time. I mean, how much has really changed between now and when the exhibition was being conceived of five years ago? Yeah, and I think what uh, Jerry Saltz was saying in his uh, Vulture magazine article about, for one thing, pointing out that uh, <laughs> the four-year postponement sort of coincides with uh, the four years of a U.S. presidency and maybe the hope, implied hope, is that four years from now things are going to be so much different when they really haven't been for 400 years. I feel like uh, it's, uh, yeah, You on the one hand, postponing it sounds like a great idea if... Um, <laughs> The, we have a reasonable expectation that things are going to change in four years. So it comes down, for me, it comes down to um, museums recognizing their role in society and recognizing the historic uh, omissions and racism and colonialism that built those institutions mm -hmm. and saying four years from now, we're going to start the work now. And by the time the show comes out, we will look different, but... I think just kicking the can down the road uh, for that specific reason doesn't make a lot of sense because even in the middle of protests and in the middle of uh, marches for justice and equality and justice and justice, it's like this feels like the same 
same old game. It's like, mm-hmm. it's it feels, t- it yeah, it feels like we're going to do this or we're not going to do this. But they're giving, like, you know, some virtue signaling by saying we're going to pause this show. But what else are you doing in the institution right. that reflects change other than giving lip service to sensitivity and kicking it down the road? Because that's the heat that the museums have been getting so much, especially since about 2017, is like, especially with the Whitney, you know, really raised a lot of awareness. Like, well, when are you going to get your houses in order? It's like, don't show this stuff if you don't tackle some of the systemic racism and and exclusivity that you've been promoting for a couple of centuries at this point. In the case of some of these museums, excuse me, a couple decades at this point for a lot of these museums. But, yeah. you know, th- why wouldn't they feel this heat? And why wouldn't they want to be careful right now? Because what's going to happen, whether they have the show tomorrow or one year from now or two years from now or four years from now, is people are going to start... They already are. They're putting a microscope to these museums and asking them what they've done for the greater good. And I kind of understand why the museums would say, I don't know if we can even afford to have this heat on us right this second. It's already very, very hot in here. Mm -hmm. Again, I kind of go back to what the Blanton did with Vincent Valdez's work after they bought it in 2016. They decided to hold off a year to show it. Right. So it wasn't a four year delay or a two year delay, but they did wait a year so it wouldn't look like it was in direct response to Donald Trump's election. But um, also Tim Schneider in a recent Artnet News article um, about the Gustin postponement noted that the Blanton seemed, at least from the outside, we don't know what was happening internally, but it definitely seems like they did everything in good faith to present the show in the best possible way. They built a special gallery, they installed a video trying to contextualize it, interviewing Vincent Valdez about his piece. Uh, They included an immense amount of wall text with it. They had people who were designed and equipped with the, the knowledge and the language around the piece in the gallery. And even so, all of that happened, but then ultimately, apparently, the leader of the Austin NAACP wasn't contacted until like a week before the painting went up. And there was criticism around that where they talked about the need to involve the local community. And Austin has its own complexities. It's a mostly white city and it's very liberal. But all of this to say, this is just an example of how you can wait a year. You can do all of your research. You can think you have all your holes plugged. And even once you pull the trigger, there ends up being a problem. And eventually I I think the question circling back to it is when do you just pull the trigger and make the effort and put yourself out there for criticism? Because it's something that artists tend to do all the time. People who are tweeting on Twitter and putting that out there do all the time and they get called for it. Institutions are a lot less likely to do that because of all of the weight behind it, which is understandable in a way, but also when do you pull the trigger? I think you buy the gun to pull the trigger when you start being more diverse and having longer and better conversations before you even put, mm-hmm. you know, like by a Vincent Valdez, which I think it's a fucking amazing painting. But the thing is, like, yeah, I'm sort of with the <laughs> the Dave Chappelle school of thought where, you know, you have to let... Like he says, you know, you have to let um, comedy be comedy and you have to let art be art. It's a it's a hard pill to swallow in a society that 
scrutinizes to the point of um, like dissolving any kind of dissent. But in the same breath, uh, if art can't be art and if art has to be sort of sanctioned and approved by every facet of society, then it ceases to be art and it's something else that I don't know what it is. These are hard conversations and people's feelings are involved and museums and art institutions, as with every facet of society, is steeped with this kind of insidious racism that divides and pillages cultures and represents it in ways that have been historically fucked up. So uh, <laughs> to to say when, I mean, that question about like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, um, it's always been, don't give a fuck if we do, don't give a fuck if we don't. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of like the the heat and the scrutiny begins at uh, what the institutions look like and what their historical role has been and how do they look to that before even... It's kind of like showing... Uh, you're fine China in a dirty ass house, you know, clean up your shit and then mm. put the China out and then people can talk about the China and mm-hmm. not about your dirty house. That's exactly right. And did, did any of you, when you, when you read that the show was going to be postponed, uh, one of my first kind of, and this, I don't know, it, I'm sure it was also the atmosphere under which I read it, but it was like, Augustine show. Okay. I got, they were planning a big Gustin retrospect. Why Gustin? And right. why now? Like, it's not like Gustin's never had retrospectives in major institutions in the last, you know, 20 to 30 years. Of course he has. Gustin is very well recognized. Yeah. He's taught in art schools. Everyone who has anything to do with art knows who Gustin is and already knows what these paintings are. They also tend to know that these paintings have been very, very influential. Did we need Augustine retrospective? I mean, if the white curators of the show, and I say this as a white person, were all like, let's do another Augustine retrospective, it's kind of like, but why? Why right now? Because right now is the time when we're getting to open up these institutions to all these different narratives that we haven't gotten to see before. All these different artists who've got, not gotten to show in these places before. Like, why Augustine now? Like, He's already done it. You know, we already have, it's already so well documented too. I mean, if you want to see Gustin stuff, you can go into almost any major museum and see one of his works in their collection. Often they're out and on display, not always, but often. So I don't know. That was my kind of first question. It was like, okay, so Gustin's being postponed. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to get your thoughts kind of tangential to that. I want to get your thoughts about how this show and this response to the postponement was possibly disproportional in terms of kind of insider artist people who feel a really close connection with Gustin, because while he is widely taught and widely recognized, I feel like he kind of has this ethos about him as an artist's artist. Like a lot of people have been influenced by him. A lot of people really took in his work and had that impact. So, you know, it's understandable that if one of your favorite artists has their show canceled, you're going to just be disappointed in general, no matter what the reason is, you know, unless the reason is nefarious. So, you know, when you have all of these prominent artists signing a letter like was in the Brooklyn Rail, that says something. At the same time, I I don't know how many people from the general public are going to be sad that this show 
isn't going to be happening in the next year or two. I also want to know what y'all think about the idea of, and I didn't see this that widely, but the, the idea that by canceling the show and by the show getting press because it was canceled, people might think that these paintings, people like the general public who are not as well acquainted with these works might think that it's being canceled because Gustin painted them to glorify them. And because he was racist, like, is that a possible element of misinterpretation because of all the press this is receiving? Willful misinterpretation, sure. I mean, they could have had this show and uh, up in the National Gallery in Washington and people could have, like, white supremacists could have shown up in order to kind of co-opt his imagery and his symbolism into their politics. Of course, that could have happened because that's what happens with symbols, right? We know right. We know what he was doing with these symbols, but that doesn't mean that people out there who don't want to co-opt that and exploit it wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I will say that I, I'm not an artist. I'm sad. I'm not going to get to see the show because I love Gustin's paintings and it would be great, but I also don't feel like it's any massive loss. And it does seem like we're going to get to see the show anyway. It's going to happen one way or the other. But Christopher, I mean, are, are these paintings near and dear to you or any artists you know? How do you feel about not getting to see it? Uh, they're near and dear to artists that I know. I, I like Gustin's work i think they're really beautiful paintings um and i come from the perspective the art historical perspective so it's they're digestible and they're understandable and yeah i see what's happening but yeah a lot of people we've had people talk about uh say vincent valdez's paintings and protests and say how uh racist they are and how glorifying the KKK they are. I haven't seen that kind of protest historically in, say, um, Andre Serrano's photographs of the Klan, where they're just, like, mm. painted in, you know, they have a black backdrop. The lighting he uses is very sort of clinical and harsh and, like, obscured half in the shadows, half in the light, but he's shining a light on something, and... I tend to feel that way now about the Dustin paintings and about any other depiction of KKK or any other kind of racism in paintings or in art. I don't see it as dog-whistling races to come hang out with these uh, symbols, but I think that the way that they've been done uh, historically in art have been to just sort of shine the light as Serrano does. I come from a different place and not everyone comes from that place, but it's, uh, I think it's important to engage with it and talk about it in the context of who's showing it, who made it and um, the time that it's shown in, because I think expanding that conversation is a stronger kind of engagement and confrontation of society than uh, putting it back in the box. I mean, I've had my own brushes with whether a, <laughs> a college gallery was going to use the title of my show, Because Niggers Can't Breathe, because it had the word niggers in it. And they even moved it from the title and like placed the title somewhere where no one could see it but still showed the content of the show which dealt with police brutality but i think if you you the more attention you bring to something in that 
you know, pointing to it and saying it's this or that, then the more subject to misinterpretation, misunderstanding. I think you show the work and it's hard to defend some things, but if you start getting rid of things, you start getting rid of everything and then we just have like empty frames. One of the things that Vincent Valdez told Texas Monthly was like, imagine, I'll just read the quote because I wouldn't do it justice, but he says, take, for example, artists like Gustin, James Baldwin, Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie, Maya Angelou, and all the countless other thinkers who have found it necessary in their moments to challenge American society. Imagine if they postpone those radical creative moments until they found it a more suitable time to comprehend and confront racial injustice. They are who they are as pillars of the canon of American history because they realized that the time was not later, it was now. It is now. And I think that, I mean, I, I think that's exactly what you're saying. And people like you, Christopher, who create work about police brutality, or Vincent, who is kind of in the trenches really making work about this, kind of see the, the kinship and the mindset of Gustin, you know, even as a white artist, that you see a little more clearly through what Gustin was trying to do. And that's that's part of this, right? Because we've studied and we're in it and you're making it. There's a connection there that that I think in some ways, I don't want to go back on the idea of thinking that, you know, not giving people the ability to interpret for themselves, but I could see people reacting to in a way that where they're where they get the wrong thing out of these. Because not everyone shares that connection. It's such a I feel like I flip-flopped in, in doing, in reading so many of the op-eds about this. And I, I feel like in a way I can kind of understand the, the sympathies and empathies that both sides are trying to elicit. I do. I mean, I was thinking about it. Like, there's something very inside baseball about this whole thing because the conversation is still really only happening in this little, tiny percentage of this, you know, still quite elitist art world, right? It's almost like if somebody had never seen NFL football before and didn't realize that there was this violent sport out there and was just now like being shown an NFL game and somebody's pointing out a quarterback and saying, this guy's a really, really good player, a really good tackle, whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's just violent. You know, Gustin was a rabble rouser. And for people who are not used to going to museums or seeing paintings like this, you know, there is going to need to be some context. And, uh, but the other aspect of this, of course, and as, uh, and as Sheldahl put it, let me read his quote. As Sheldahl said, offense doesn't spur debate, it replaces it. And that is what's going on right now, too. And the museums are having to grapple with the fact that a lot of people just want to be outraged. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people who want to be outraged at museums right now, a lot of them aren't even black, they're not part of Black Lives Matter. It's white people who are just looking for reasons to be bad at museums. And so, you know, there's a whole lot of just like <clears throat> explosive. I mean, it, this country, this the Western world is a powder keg right now. And, you know, again, it kind of raises the question like, why are museums going to even hold themselves up to this kind of battery if, it, if they don't have to? Because then you think about like the people who are underwriting the shows, you're thinking about their board members. Of right. course they need to get their houses in order because they know that they can't really, again, withstand the heat, not right the second. So why would they even do it? They're trying to survive. I mean, the pandemic has really hurt a lot of museums. I'm sure the MFAH is probably doing pretty well. But the flip side, the flip side of this, which, Christina, I completely agree with everything you just said. At the same time, I do think there are some really sympathetic and empathetic people who probably advocated for the postponement and for the reconsideration of it because they're like, 
the last thing that we want to do is to have someone like come into this museum for the first time and see a KKK painting and that's what have I'm saying that, about yeah, and have that trauma and then yeah. not come back to a museum because that's the kind of things that museums show. I think that is a real and legitimate concern. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, I I mean I hear that, but I also think that if museums um, continue their sort of like history of being a traditionally and historically white space, mm-hmm. then when you put a painting of the KKK in there, it will be reinforcing that white space. Yeah. I think if you have uh, <laughs> the diversity from the great, like multitude of art and artists out there and uh, things that are happening outside of museums into those spaces, then those spaces become the true sort of uh, places for dialogue and learning. And these shows may still have their controversies, but you start to look at the institution and say, well, wait a minute, they also showed... uh, Hank Willis Thomas, and they also showed other art that is in that space so that that space can't objectively be defined as um, this hollowed, exclusive white space that you're now putting a KKK painting in. These museums are so big that, you know, even a Gustin retrospective inside the MFAH or Tate or whatever, it's just one show yeah. amongst many right. that are up at any given time. And who knows what else they're showing at the time. Probably a lot of the other shows are also addressing a whole lot of the issues that we're talking about. But those shows would be overshadowed by the kind of political mm-hmm. um, you know, inflammation around the, the media of this show. You know, People are going to be talking about Gustin instead of the other five shows that the MFAH has up at this time. You know, that the curators have worked just as hard on or that were, you know very, very thoughtful shows. And it's like, everything gets overshadowed under the controversy of this one show. And yeah, I mean, not to be a part of the, the noise about everything, but I also feel that, um, you sort of hold people's feet to the fire and then give that moment and that opportunity for them to do better. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, if their attempts to do better, are shouted down by the noise as well, then it's like um, we don't really want change. We just want to be permanently enraged. So I think that, yeah, whatever the decision was to postpone this show, there aren't any shortages of opinions about it. But I think it's important. I think it's important to, like from my perspective, to show that work and to have that hard conversation about the context and about the history of why museums are hashtag so white. So it's like, let's have that conversation. And this is an opportunity, not a a moment to be putting stuff under the rug. Yeah. Well, the good news is that we're having the conversation now, and then we'll be having the conversation again when the show goes up, whether it's in two (laughs) years or four years. So this is a very long conversation that's being drawn out due to Gustin and his paintings and people's various reactions to it. I think we're going to get the show. Um, I hope we get the full show. And um, 
these are very interesting times we're living in. As we're recording this, by the way, it's Thursday afternoon. It is uh, November 5th, and it is 1.18 p.m., if that gives you any context. <laughs> we still don't know. We don't know. All right. Well, with that, so the thing, the, the bottom line is they're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. And, um, and that's kind of true for viewers as well. So is that, is that a reason to just show it, to pull the trigger? I think they have to show, they probably have to show (laughs) it. Or I guess they could cancel. And for all we know, I don't think they want to cancel. I don't think they want to cancel though. And I don't, I don't, I definitely don't think they should cancel. I think that would, that would be a whole host of issues Mm -hmm. (laughs) if there's a cancellation instead of a postponement. That's, that's a different conversation. Yeah, lawsuits included. Yeah, something that I hope isn't lost in this conversation is uh, whether the art, the artist is dead or the art's been made like fifty years ago. Artists make the things. Uh, we're not motivated by who's going to show it or how it's going to be received. We're like people. Also, our feelings get hurt, but we have to make that distinction between the artist making the stuff. Period. Full stop. And then museums figuring out how to show it and what to do with it and the public figuring out how to engage with it. Because Mm -hmm. if that goes into the mindset of people making art, then it just becomes this like, (laughs) who are you painting for? Uh, Yeah. Some people have that specific audience or whatever, but I think artists generally are just making that shit and having y'all deal with it. You know, it's like the stuff that I have to make here it is. You figure it out. Yeah. Well, you know, so many artists don't necessarily feel that it's their responsibility to talk a lot about their work or to write about their work, which I completely get. So one of the silver linings from this, for me at least, has kind of been hearing from artists who were so inspired by this work and their reason that they like this work. Because... You know, it's it's not every day that an artist would just come out or have the opportunity or feel the need or any of the above to just go, well, you know, I was really influenced by Gustin and here's why. Like, right. that's been one of the nice things to hear all of this artist's testimony about the work, no matter what, just to hear from these artists and yeah. why they yeah, do what they do. Yeah, it's a silver lining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with that, I guess we'll leave it there. There's a million more direct... We could keep going on about this uh, for who knows how long and... There's a lot of thoughts and a lot of opinions. I know all three of us read a lot in preparation for this, and we'll include a big old reading list at the bottom of this post on Glass Tire. So if you want to learn more, you can do so there. And that's it. We'll keep it coming. Stay on the lookout, because once there is new news about this show or when it is coming to uh, Houston specifically, but everywhere else, we will report on it. And until then, if you feel comfortable only, mask up and see some art. See some art. See some art. See some art.